That's right. We're talking about Van Halen. Sans Halen. <laughs> Nothing. What's going on, man? Raven Lee Doth. Raven Lee Doth. Hammy Sagar. One and only. All right. I think we're live. We got on all the... Uh, everything's flying. All right. Well, welcome to uh, a special... A special edition, I suppose, of Record Talk, which I used the wrong intro for, but we'll just eat it. Um, uh, Brian couldn't be with us today, but he is well. He is well. He's just uh, doing some family stuff. So it's James and I today, which is actually ironically fitting. It's pretty uh, fitting. Because we're, we're talking we're talking about, you know, one of the greatest guitar players to ever live. A God amongst men, so says I, not James. So it'll be interesting. I don't say not a God amongst men. All right, well. More importantly, all right. And is that it? Is that that's the move, right? I it's hard to it's, remember, you know. It's like it's been a, a while, a little rusty. We didn't have any spring training, we're just right back into a new season here. So, all good. The sun is still out, it's strange. Um, I see if Brian is around. Maybe he could even pop in. But James, what's in the glass? It's a little early, so I'm having chocolate milk. You love that chocolate milk. It's so good. It's nice and sweet, and it's frothy and creamy. It's just fantastic. I believe Nesquik makes a, a strawberry that is delicious, and also a banana, which is quite tasty. I don't know about the banana, but that sounds wonderful. That could also be muscle milk. Maybe I've made that up. Anything's possible. Oh, it's so good. It's I was going to pour a bourbon because, I mean, it is afternoon, but, I mean, it is a little bit early. But anyway, what do you got? I have Extend Branch Chain Amino Acids Grape Flavor. It's delicious. And eventually I'll segue into some coconut water. Also delicious. How do you like just straight-up coconut water? I do like it. Cold. Is it too coconutty at times? or? I like coconut. I like coconut. So it doesn't bother me. Fair enough. But um, it could bother someone who doesn't enjoy coconut, I suppose. I was going to ask you a question, but I feel like on air, it's the wrong thing to ask. So it's all good. Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> all right. Now. Good to know. That's, that's probably very accurate for the question. <laughs> the always yes. Always yes. That's our lesson, our first lesson here, kids, today. Our first lesson was the right answer is always because of family. But secondarily, it's the answer is always yes. Man, those memes are killing me. Didn't Absolutely me. killing me. Did you, did you see the thing like uh, there's going to be a Jurassic Park Fast and Furious crossover? <laughs> and you know what can stop a Tyrannosaurus Rex? Family. Family, man. Family. Family. Obviously. And when you're in the family, you can't die. Even like when you're legit dead, somehow you're still at the end of the movie. So weird <laughs> have you seen the new one yet or i read about it i read a little bit about it but i'm actually not spoiling myself i heard I one what's up i will see it i like those movies i'll see it too I, I feel like it'll be a fun ride i like han so i'm happy that he's back somehow right i yeah. can't wait for that i'm curious as to how that is i like how he's always eating yeah that's my favorite thing about him which was similar to a brad pitt's character in the oceans 11 series he was always yeah eating. i was just gonna say that of course you are. Weird. But All yeah, right. That's, anyway, yeah, sorry. Gentlemen, <laughs> let's broaden our minds. All right, so today we're talking about Van Halen, boys and girls. And uh, we each assembled, James, Brian, and myself, although Brian is absent, We uh, our top five Van Halen songs. So I'm going to, I guess, you know, it, it, where I got introduced it is where I'd like to start. And then maybe you can give your perspective. Because um, for me... You know, my first Van Halen album was that Best Of, Volume 1, from 1996. Okay. The, the black one with the gold writing on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It had, the, it had um, some Roth stuff, some Hagar stuff, and then uh, the mo it had the song from The Humans Being, which is definitely on your list, but we'll get there. And then um, uh, and then it had the two new David Lee Roth songs. So for me, you know, back in the day, like, CDs were like $22 or $18, and... There was no free music like there is now. So that was just the easiest way for me to get into a lot of bands. And, oh, Christ. And um, I, I didn't differentiate, um, oh, you're, you're one singer fan or the other. Just to me, it made sense because that's like 96. And then my first Van Halen show 
was uh, with with Gary Sharon in 1998, yeah. and I and I enjoyed Van Halen three because again my brain didn't have allegiances. Yeah, um, but I remember when listening to that, like you had pointed out, like how uh, Pound Cake was done. Because uh, that was right around, you know, 96. That's right when guitar playing started in my world. So, like, you're my guitar player friend. Like, that's the thing. So, I remember, like, nerding out over that song. But that was my first uh, taste into it. And I think the first song I learned how to play was Ain't Talking About Love. What about you? Um, I think my first Van Halen that I learned, I don't know if holding a drill next to your guitar counts, um, but probably I tried to learn Pound Cake, and it just didn't happen. Um, just it way, way above my pay grade at the time. Um, but I think my first Van Halen that I tried to learn was actually the instrumental song that was on the Twister soundtrack that it was called Respect the Wind. And I think it won best rock instrumental performance for that year uh, at the Grammys. Um, but that was probably the first thing that I tried to learn just because it was the least, uh, <laughs> the least intense. It was something yeah. that you could easily take apart because um, there was nothing to distract you. There was no bass. There was no vocals. It was just uh, some piano and some guitar. And yeah. that's still one of my favorite Van Halen pieces, actually. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something just to be sort of said across the board is just it didn't seem to matter what was happening musically outside of their world. I just think the prolificness and the creativity of that guy uh, on any instrument was just, okay, next. Like, oh, give him a flute and he's going to shred on it. Like, I just feel like right. it happened. <laughs> I think that that was an eye-opening thing for me um, that you say, like, you know, the multi-instrumental nature of Eddie Van Halen. Because um, I, I feel like so many things that we might say on the show are just a case of like, oh, you didn't know that? Right. You don't know something until you know something. And seeing the video for Jump and seeing him tear ass on the friggin' keyboard was like, uh, he does that too? Right. Like, like that was eye opening for me because if you didn't know, you didn't know. And I had no idea. So yeah, he's ridiculous at everything he touched that involved any form of music. He was fantastic at. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when I was assembling my list, um, I know it's supposed to be five, but I have like my five main and then I have some like honorable mentions that I'll get to at the end if there's time. Cause you know, Brian cut a third of the, um, the list away, which we'll post his separately. Um, which would be fascinating, but uh, what, do you your... have? Sorry, I'm interrupting you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Do Do you have like your five, and then you have like the usual suspects behind the five? Is that no, what's going because... on, or do you genuinely have like, uh, like handfuls of like Van Halen songs where you're like, I love that one, I love that one. Yeah, no, it's that. I I definitely have a, wow. a collection of songs that speak to me. Um, I mean, I was like Panama is not on my list, but that's just unspoken. Like that's just a, it's a that, he's on the guitar. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. Like, I feel like the world has the Van Halen usual suspects. That's right. like Panama and uh, you really got me. Things yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. But so like you don't have to have those on your list. They basically just they come with the territory. <laughs> right. Right. So mine aren't in any particular order. Like I, I, I you know, I, I put the album they're from in the year and stuff, but I just kind of just jump around. So how about you mm -hmm. go first? What's your first song, James? Uh, my first song is, uh, I told you about it the other day while I was on the way home from, uh, from the dentist, actually. Uh, the station that I was listening to at the time had a Van Halen block going on, actually. And uh, where I picked up was Unchained. And that's probably one of my first, like, favorite older Van Halen songs that wasn't one of the usual suspects. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that one's on my list as well. So that's a great place to start, um, which is funny because that wasn't on my list until you said it. I'm like, how could I have forgotten that? <laughs> so for those tuning in, that's the only one that's maybe we both kind of could guess because we had talked about it casually. But that's Fair Warning, 1981, which I think is their <laughs> that the third or the fourth album. I'm not really sure the chronology. I think third. But I'm not certain. Brian. See, that's this is where we lose out on not having Brian because Brian's got all this stuff like like right on cue. <laughs> right, I have I have something that Brian doesn't have. <laughs> Internet access. I'm Google. <laughs> Very nice discography Wikipedia page for all of that. So, what's perfect. That, that is from. What do you say? Fair warning. That is the fourth record after Women and Children first. Damn. And you got to understand, I mean, for those who don't know, Van Halen 1, Van Halen 2, Women and Children First, Fair Warning, 78, 79, 80, 81, Diver Down, 82, 
five records in five years. The last one's mostly covers and doo-doo, but still five records in five years. That's outrageous. Yeah. It's, do you think that's a result of like, uh, they had really like gotten a lot of traction at that point that they, they had, they weren't on like a rigorous touring schedule. So they had the time to just keep putting material together. I think that's how the industry was back then. Cause you had to keep putting out records to keep making money. I Fair think enough. that again, Eddie and Alex had been making music together forever. So they're very prolific. Hmm. Um, so I just think they were just constantly writing and they had like, I mean, I just saw something. What's up, bro. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, okay. Okay. I got a couple. I agree with you. You can't see the comments. Can you see the comments? I can't. Okay. Yeah. Um, I lost it. Oh, so like, I mean, they were like the house band at like what the whiskey or one of those, like they were just, yeah. the band, you know, and like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But it was constantly, there's not a ton of filler, you know? So Unchained, that's on my list as well. Unchained, back when I was bartending, um, I had a, a CD, a mixtape back at Characters. And oh, Unchained wow. was my first song. And I put on, you know, that every day I opened up the bar, no matter what headspace I was in during the Jescapades and other things. It just got me right in track where I needed to be. Yeah. Right. it's a it's That's a good one. That's like a good general, like, amped up song kind of a thing. Yeah. I feel like it's always good to get you, like, uh, pumped up. And it's heavy, you know, like not, I mean, they're not a, a heavy band. Like you think of the kill switch or Pantera or something, but just the load to drop E and the flanger and the way it moves. It's just so well executed. That's, I feel like we may as well mention this while we're talking, you know, while we're talking about uh, how the music is structured and whatnot, that I feel like Van Halen for, for a lot of people is this big, like powerhouse band. But I think if you're a musician and you're used to like getting into stuff a little bit deeper than that, like you start to realize like Van Halen is really great riffs and really great tones. And I found it the more that I was listening to them this past couple of weeks, like while we were, you know, putting together these lists and whatnot, which the list did not take long to go together. I mean, these are just your favorite songs. Um, but I, I realized I realized how much so much of the song in my brain this is terrible to say but how much of the songs in my brain were kind of disposable because i was just focused on the riff and i was focused on the groove and like eddie and alex as a unit are they're that whole band yeah no no disagreement and um you know i, I was listening recently um sweetwater had their gear fest digitally and phil x did a, a talk and he was talking about just like after eddie passed all of these videos started popping up on YouTube, like a perfect board recording and decent camera, multi-camera shoot from like 1978 or something, 79. And it's like listening to his tone when he went from like the Frankenstrat to like the, 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 the destroyer that he like cut the, the shark guitar. Yeah. And it's like the shark guitar just had a way better tone than his iconic guitar. Cause just, you know, it's a big hunk of mahogany that he cut a chunk out of. So yeah. it's basically an explorer copy back then, like, uh, you know, a lawsuit era. Yeah, destroyers are getting in trouble. So, yeah, as a musician, as a guitar player, it's very easy to fall down the hole. Pete Thorne just did a, a pickup shootout, running through all these different, <sighs> and it's just insane. That video gave me so much anxiety because, <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, "Oh, you got to play that pickup, and you got to have that tone, and you play that song." And then he wasn't doing that, like, so I wasn't hearing what I wanted to hear at certain times. I was losing my freaking mind. Yeah, but, but holy, holy, comprehensive! I mean, that was crazy. Yeah, oh, no, this guy is brilliant. Um, so what's your next song? I, I went first and you had the same one. You, oh, okay. You go. All right. So <laughs> I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to stick with the, I'm going to at least try and stay in different eras. So we're going to stay in the, uh, the Roth era because David Lee Roth in his prime was literally a God. Yeah. You couldn't touch him. He's like the proto Axel, the proto Vince Neil, all those eighties guys had nothing. He was the guy that they all were cut from his ball hairs and turned into, you know, like, <laughs> snip and then they grew um, like uh superman four is that I, where I they where like, they made the other guy oh it's like when you take a grape and then you take the seed out of the grape and you put it in the ground but yeah that's probably more accurate <laughs> so uh my my next choice is a song called light up the sky on van halen 2 1979 now okay. every, everyone uh you know it's van halen one all the hits and uh they're all hits you know i'm the one atomic punk like once you get past the big ones it still hits but Van Halen 2 is kind of where I feel like the follow-up. We're like, now we got to show you what's up. Yeah. And I think I think Light Up the Sky is a bunch of different movement. I like I like the melody within the chorus because I was trying specifically to pick things where it's not all the guitar that's carrying it. 
And I feel, I don't know if you're familiar with the song, but I like that song. It's a good song. I'm not, but I will listen to it now. Like I, I'm, I'm predominantly unfamiliar with a lot of the older stuff because if you, what's your favorite Metallica album? I'm a loser. It's the black album. Because that's the one that you heard first. Yeah. So for me, for unlawful carnal knowledge is the starting point. Sure. And I, I know the old stuff, but it's doesn't, none of it has the same impact. Yep. You know, like, Oh, you wait one, two kind of like I got into a lot at some point, but it was, it never bit me the way that for unlawful carnal knowledge and forward did. Okay. And that's unfortunate. You know, some might say that that's the lesser point of their career. So I kind of missed out on all the good stuff, but that's, you know what I mean? I feel like your point of entry is where you tend to keep your loyalties. Which is why I think for me, and that's why I started off by saying that best of, it was everything. So I didn't have to feel that so way. You it, really locked out. Same thing with like Ozzy stuff. I remember like I was getting into Ozzy and I had the Randy Rhodes tribute album, but I also had No More Tears. And uh, Ryan Ball was like, so you're Randy Rhodes guy, you're Zach Wild guy. I'm like, I don't care. Because I like Ozzy. It didn't matter who the guitar player was. Now I have a preference. But the same thing with this. Like, it did. oh, there's just different voices, but it was still Van Halen. I was young enough. What am I? I'm 13 years old. So I didn't, I was just, it was like, oh my God, listen to this music. Yeah. Um, and it's like, I, I, I know my, my closing question in, in all my interviews was, you know, Hagar or Roth. It's both because it's two separate bands. It, it, it's, it's really special that they were able to achieve something so cool with both Something so cool and something so different yet the same with different singers. But yeah, check out that song. What's your next one? Uh, my next one, uh, When It's Love. Beautiful song. Uh, I love that song. I think it's a, a very, very pretty song. I think it's got a great hook. I think it's a, another you know, typical Van Halen. It's a really great riff. I think Hagar is on point with the vocals through it. That might be Maybe that's my differentiation between Hagar and Roth is I think Hagar said more or like i had an emotional yeah. connection more to things that hagar sung about yeah. he's a better vocalist yeah but I, again like i don't want to teeter that line and say that one was better than the other it's two very different things right um on paper i should say he's a better singer the yeah and stuff yeah uh my my favorite part of that is when i when i was listening to the songs i had the videos kind of running with it because i'm naturally just listening on youtube and uh in the video eddie's playing the frankenstrat and uh, in the solo, he has a, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but if you know anything about that guitar, if you're watching this and you know anything about Van Halen, you're kind of a guitar player, you know that only one pickup in that guitar works. And he plays the solo in the video with that guitar on the neck pickup sound. And that guitar <laughs> doesn't have a neck pickup in it. So like, like the pickup selector is just thrown in the yeah. spot there. So that's the, that's not like the full blown, relic right like that's just the, the oh this is the relic it is the relic oh yeah i can't wait to play that in a week yeah the neck is crazy stainless steel frets but it's like fast and it's unfinished the way we like it yeah yeah, yeah you'll dig it uh, it will not go on the chopping block until after you you come and go <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate that but uh that was like a little bit of like a little comic snip that i had about that but i i just think it's a great song i think that might be the first thing that I really identified with after obsessing over foreign lawful carnal knowledge as an album that I was like, Oh, there's this. And that was awesome. And that's probably that song is around where I started to realize that there was two different things going on, that there was Roth and that there was Hagar because again, you don't know until you know. Right. So, and, and I hadn't made the correlations with other things. Like I didn't know, I didn't know the band to know what was what. So it's a beautiful song, and the the, the na 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 part at the end is just, oof. Right. Michael An Michael Anthony. Oh, like, we're gonna get that that that's like a whole separate category because because I think he's the reason why they worked with two different singers because he is the glue. Yeah, you take his harmony away from either of their voices, and it's not, the choruses. It's not the same band. Oh yeah, he is and like I've seen footage of them after he was gone, and it's it's definitely the case of it being a different band and in my humble opinion for the worse, because he was so essential in keeping that band yep. like in the sound that that band had. And no disrespect to Wolfgang, his, his solo record, this mammoth mm -hmm. fucking awesome. Yeah. Like, Oh my God. Awesome. So he's a talented kid, but 
Michael Anthony is the is that is the voice that was missing. So I agree. Yeah. Uh, my turn. Yeah, go for it. What's your number two? I gave my number two. Light up the sky. No, that was your. Oh, that was your number two because we both had the same number one. Okay, what's your number? What's your number three then? <laughs> All right, so this is my last Roth song just because, um, but there are, of course, many in my sub list. But uh, Drop Dead Legs off of 1984. Okay. It is so slinky, the guitar part. Yeah, yeah. You got it? Yeah, I got it. I had to I had to reach for it a little bit, but I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. That's uh, that's part of that older sound, too. Yeah. Hold on, I'll give it a taste of it. I don't care if we get demonetized. It's just for fun. Yeah. It's just so like, and you can't play it unless you go to drop D, but all these tabs have it wrong. <laughs> As is often the case. Oh, but man, like it's uh you know, it's it's a it's a it's a classic David Lee Roth, you know, on the prowl kind of song, which yeah, is yeah. that. But um just just the groove of it's fantastic. And that's another one that you know. They they kept some of the Roth songs in the initial Hagar era, but that one died. That one, you know, hadn't been done live until the reunion in 2007. If they even did it then, I can't even recall. I saw that show, but I was so out of my mind, excited, wow. processed. Um, but yeah, I love that song. And most people, when they think 84, they're going to think uh, Hot for Teacher. They're going to think, uh, uh, yeah. you know, Jump or what's the other one? The I'll Wait. I think that's on that one. But uh, yeah, Drop Dead Likes. Love that song. What's Panama on? I think Panama's on 1984 also. It, it is, right? Okay. I, I, I thought I mean, that was the case. You know, they closed out that, yeah, that was huge. Uh, I'll wait, Hot for Teacher, 1984, Jump, Panama, yeah, House of Pain. That uh, They closed out the David Lee Roth era with a bang. Yeah, that's it's unfortunate when you think about it like that. Yeah. Um, but that song right there, actually, that gives me uh, like Led Zeppelin vibes, like Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. 3 or kind of vibes. Cause it swings and in the drums, that's like a bottom sound that just, yeah. Yeah. That's my favorite um, song. For my third, you called it earlier, uh, humans being, yep. um, that's, that might be my favorite Van Halen song. Yeah. Just, just because I thought it had like so much energy. I love really high energy songs and it's a really, it's a pretty simple riff in the scheme of things, but you know, oftentimes simple, it was very effective. And uh, I think that's the case there. That's my favorite Van Halen. What'd you say? No, no, go on. I'll tell you something about the song when you finish. Uh, It's my favorite Van Halen guitar tone, um, which I think is like the early PV days. Yeah. Um, And that like, not chorus, but like, um, like pitch kind of element to it, where it's almost like a doubled kind of sound. That's almost like a chorus, but not quite. Um, I just think that that sound is incredibly lush and uh, it's lush all by itself. And then he probably like quad track the whole album. So it's just preposterous how big it is. He got Um, very good uh, towards from balance onward. Uh, So I guess this would be towards the end of the balance sessions because it's the song that came out after that, but that mm. out of tune thing where it's just like a super, you're right. It's a super wide chorus. That's just harm. It's I think it's probably a harmonized really because it's just, you're out of tune with itself in a cool way. Yeah, it's like a couple cents plus or minus either way, and it just it gives you such width to your tone. It's fantastic. Um, but so yeah, I, I didn't I didn't like that song when it first came out. It grew on me over the years. That song that probably that's the song that probably broke up the band. I think it is actually because they um they were arguing of what the lyrics would be about and should it have references to you know Twister and and, and tornadoes or should it not. And, <laughs> I mean, there was tension in the balance sessions that I'll, I'll get into when I get into, I guess I'll do that song next, but um, yeah, it's a great song though. And just the tone, just, it's so simple. I mean, it's just basically he's playing an E minor shape and then plays a major shape, but slides it up and it's just all one shape for that whole intro part. And then it's just faster, but that's the thing. Awesome. Yeah. And was it that song or I think it was when it's love that uh, I, I meant to mention as well. I'm an idiot, um, but but it's really kind of all of them that he he captured this like element of his playing that like he's got all these subtle harmonic idiosyncrasies that he does that like even when he's not playing harmonics he's playing harmonics yeah and right. there's just he pulls so many small sounds out of the instrument like to fill in empty spaces yeah. and it's so so cool. And uh, he does that a lot in him. He does that a lot in almost everything that he does. 
Um, and it's just, it's a really unique thing that not a lot of players manage to do that or they do it in different ways, but the way he did it, it never, ever sounded stale. It's so unique. And even like I've seen videos of him just like horsing around and stuff. And it, it seemed more, I don't know if he just elevated that ability on the, you know, last four or five records. Like it just, uh, maybe recording technology got better. You can hear so much more of it. Yeah. In more recent albums where these, the nuances, it's almost as though he has on an amp that's like on 11, but he rolled back the volume a little bit and he's letting his hands really bring out all these little things, but it's, it's all touch sensitive which brings back the story. The guitar playing is in your hands. Like you could sit at his exact rig and neither of us are going to make it sound like the way he was. It's, it's a little bit of a tangent, but I remember uh, watching interviews with him when people were talking to him when, uh, when he did the 5150 and he was saying that other guitar players at the time uh, had been like, Hey, could I, could I try a rig out? And they would all like plug into it and be like, I can't use this. Like that, like his, his combination of like guitar and amplifier and the way that he had everything configured, he could extract everything out of it. And other guitar players are like, no, yeah, it's precision. <laughs> yeah. He, he was a, a completely different animal in what he could get out of an instrument like that. All right. So I'm going to jump to my next song here, right? What do you got? Go for it. All right. So, so this is your number three, this is my number four now. So just Damn to recap, it. we're resetting the stage. Rob had unchained, <laughs> light up the sky, uh, drop dead legs. Looks right. James had unchained, one at love. Human being. Okay, so Rob's number four. <laughs> because uh, we had the same first song, know, it, it messed everything up. up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so now we're into the Sammy Hagar era. I'm going out of order just because it's how I wrote them down, but it connects a bit to what the one you just said, which uh, – I think it's the first or the second song um, or one of the, whatever, it's on balance. The song, don't tell me what love can do from 1995. So another drop D song. Uh, it was written about Kurt Cobain and that what was going on. And Sammy Hagar wrote, don't uh, let me tell you what love can do. And because it was like 95 or in grunge, uh, the Van Halen brothers said, no, it can't be happy. So, they made him rewrite it to don't tell me what love can do. And if you listen to the song, basically, you know, it's talking about, you know, heroin and suicide and some really dark stuff, but the chorus was supposed to say, but let me tell you, I can fix it with love. Let me tell you what love can do. And they turned him and said, no. So he completely changed it. And if you, if you listen to the song and change the chorus, it's a completely different song. Cause I think the lyrics remain the same. It's just the chorus changed and it's, it's really remarkable, but, um, my favorite parts of certain Van Halen songs are the stuff that happens as it's fading out because there's just weird stuff happening. So at the end of this yeah. song, there's like, uh, they just keep saying, don't tell me what love can do. And it's heavy for them. And he's playing just like uh, three chords, dun, dun, you know, just the classic, bah, 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 that kind of thing. But the flanger in the middle, he's like hitting the E string, but muting it with his left hand. So you can still kind of hear the harmonic of it. And the mm. flanger goes, perfectly in time of his chug and it's just like oh my god like that is i thought unchained had the flanger sound no that's the flanger sound really i can do yep at the very oh, end man. which is interesting too because at the very end of jump there's uh the the outro riff that he's noodling on became uh best of both worlds which is the sammy hagar song on 19 uh way later yeah see i don't know either of these songs now i gotta look now i have to listen to both yeah. of them Cool stuff. So don't tell me what love can do. Yep. What do you got for number four? Ain't talking about love. See, I didn't put that because I felt like it was too like, but it's the first one I learned, so it should be there. Yeah, it's it. That song's a little like too special to me. That uh, <laughs> you okay? Choked on coconut water. Oh no, I finished all my chocolate milk. I'm very sad. Um, but just I love the riff of that song. I love, I, I love everything about that song, and I feel like it's a. Uh, like we were saying the other day that some Roth songs lyrically can be difficult that you just listen to them and you're like, what does that mean? <laughs> um, that, that doesn't really happen as much in Ain't Talking About Love, I don't think. I think it's a little bit more focused. Um, I, I, I love the riff. I just love the song as a, as a work entirely. I think it's great. No argument. Fantastic. Great, great song. 
as a guitar player is an intro sort of Van Halen song. The most of the solo is manageable. The riff is just sort of a couple of chords that you're just arpeggiating them in a really cool way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, another flanger in that one as well. No. In the right. intro, I believe it comes on and off on the, uh, <laughs> like that one bend that he has there. Yeah. But. Also fantastic song. Um, yeah. The lyrics, that's something we were talking about. You know, you get into a lot of these songs and it's like, David Lee Roth was just a, a madman. And Sammy Hagar was big onto the double entendres. Yep. Um, you know, so in Pound Cake, you know, well, what is what is Pound Cake, you know? And then he had another song when they put together three new songs for one of the best ofs when he got back with the band 2004 called Up for Breakfast, which is literally like the metaphorical sister to Pound Cake. But instead of saying Pound Cake, he's talking about being up for breakfast. And it's the same concept. Um but Roth, you know, what he did sometimes, it didn't matter what he was saying because it was how he said it. And during one of the times that they weren't getting along, um, Eddie said that, you know, Dave couldn't sing for anything. And he would literally do one word or one phrase at a time in the studio, to which point I says, who cares? Because it worked. It didn't matter. The, the, the ow! And all those little things in the middle, like it just, it it's can't be duplicated, can't be replicated. That's just him. And he nailed it. It's, I remember that the, the stories of that, that, um, David Lee Roth couldn't do like a full take at any given point. And I find that incredible because like, I guess we're like overdubs at something, but if he sang most of his parts like that, that's like, who put that together? Because that, that had to have been nightmarish. Yeah. But it, it's convincing. I mean, it, it flows. I think they're just being a little, maybe phrases, but I imagine the words were coherent, but for whatever, you know, I saw him open for kiss February 2020 before the pandemic. And he had just come off of that Vegas residency and he wasn't saying David Lee Roth. Yeah. And he wasn't singing so well at the Vegas residency, but watching him open for kiss, he sang perfectly. And he had a band, he had like two guitar players and a keyboard player and a drummer and a bass player, but he did all Van Halen songs and you know, like just a gigolo and yeah, uh, Rose, which is awesome. Opened up with uh, just like paradise, which is great song as well from his solo era but he sang well he did well so whatever like these guys are all mean to each other we should just be happy that they're still here on this planet doing something and even if it's not what it was 100 percent, the legacy is enough to support anything that comes out thereafter yeah absolutely so my fifth song and i will have time for me to get into my other songs as well but my initial top five closed out with pound cake because um and i was literally i i drill i left the drill in the other room but as i'm trying to replicate it so but, spoiler alert before you get too far so is mine yeah no, <laughs> that's good <laughs> we are friends <laughs> we, we, we bookended this perfectly yeah. <laughs> um i watched brian jumps on he's like dude those are my also <laughs> um yeah i mean like that it was just so creative to to make that work and i love that the drill um at least in and i don't know I don't know. I don't know if I ever saw the video for it, if there was a video, but I think there might've been. There was a video for it. That was my first exposure to it. But is the drill painted like the... Yes, it was. That's so awesome. <laughs> so awesome. Um, yeah, it was... The harmonics, it was, use of harmonics is the verses. Like there's no chords in the verses. It's just all yeah. open harmonics. Brilliant. And like what I was saying before about all like the uh, little harmonic content that he pulls out of the instrument, like he does it in the video. And then if you watch him perform the song live, he does it the same way. Like the intro to the solo that are all those like random, like haphazard taps on the fingerboard. That's just how he plays that part. And just all these cool sounds come out of the guitar. It, it he redefines that whole like adage of making it look effortless. Like he really looked like he was barely paying attention to what he was doing at times. And like this magic happened. I've been watching a lot of videos in the last handful of months ever since he passed. And it always looked effortless like that. It just doesn't make any sense. The ability to, I mean, it just, you know, I, I've never played anything, no matter how easy it is as effortlessly as he seems to be playing the most complicated stuff. Yeah. I I've, I've never had that like transcendental feeling while playing, uh, while playing any instrument or doing anything in life where I've been like, I'm completely comfortable. I can do no wrong right now. That's never happened to me whatsoever. Magic. It's magic. Um, 
I have some other songs, if I may. Well, I mean, we could always uh, we can do your others, and we can always throw in there those usual suspects in case, in case you have that person out there that's just like, is that a Van Halen song? I, I'm not mm-hmm. sure I even know what Van Halen songs are, so go all for right, it. Go. All right, so my my next one on the list would have been um, a song called Cabo Wabo. You know that song? I would imagine it's a Hagar song. It is. It's on OU812, and it's a it's a partying song and a love song i guess and he's talking about being in mexico and you drank too much tequila and you're doing the cabo wabo because you're in cabo and you're wobbly because you drank too much that's what that meant which you learn in the gotcha. lyrics of that song but it's um it's just the it's it's the pentatonic scale it's not a brilliant guitar part but what um the the lyric the melody not the lyrics so much but the melody which makes it incredibly catchy and cool and that's mm. a song i found you know after he died i didn't even know that so i didn't so that's a cool one well, I thought you might have known that because of I thought you enjoyed Hagar a bit too. I do, but greatest hits. Yeah. Go deeper. I didn't, I just never I like I knew what I knew and I, that's what I knew. And um it was unfortunate because I've I've discovered a lot more that I like now after the fact. But I guess maybe as I got more into the band and more into a guitar player, the prejudice of you gotta pick one seeped in. And I just dove deeper into the Dave stuff because that's like the stuff people would ask to play or think of, you know, yeah. a lot of bands covering Cabo Wabo, maybe. Yeah, yeah. That's a good song. What's one of your uh, everyone should know songs? I think right now. I was going to say, I was just going to make a thing about it. I was like, why don't you tell me right now? Damn it. <laughs> ah. But uh, I think that's another, you know, like for the for the shit I just gave, you know, pretty much the whole band, the band as a whole saying, you know, like they're, thematically not the strongest songs like right now is a very very thematically relevant and great song um it took a long time to write that song too uh, yeah i i i wouldn't know i wouldn't have dug that deep but I, I think it's a great song and i don't think you have to dig that deep to know there's something bigger there going on than you might realize it's on the surface it's it's a really cool song they just recently sammy hagar and uh, michael anthony who played together in a band called the circle now and they were chicken foot together and they're great friends um, they started an Instagram page called like uh, Van Hagar or something. And it's just there. It's the Sammy era of the band, but it's really cool. Like never before released little things where one thing was we talked about the writing of right now. I think it's cool. I think it's cool to um, give access to that stuff. You know, the Dave stuff, you got to think like this is late seventies, early eighties. Like the technology wasn't around to document things as it was yeah. in the eighties, early and mid nineties. Um, but that's a great song. It's a, uh, you know, promoted a whole line of failed pepsi so fantastic oh it's right crystal pepsi yeah. i never I, did, I never enjoyed the crystal pepsi i thought it was too seltzery very fizzy yeah yeah it's cola is brown yeah it's supposed to be right yeah, yeah. um that uh, that page you mentioned the inst- it's an instagram page yeah do they is there a lot of like like uh dives into like past material so they only started it about a month ago, but let's see how many posts they have now. But yeah, it's all that Van Hagar, the other half it's called. Um, That's really awesome. Yeah, there's only 13 posts so far, but it has stuff about, because uh, the 30th anniversary of foreign lawful carnal knowledge was recently. Mm. Um, yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's, yeah. Is there, is there like archival footage or it's just uh, like a conversation with a camera kind of thing? Uh, archi- archival mostly there like, is conversations with the calendar see like I- i'd be curious like you were saying you know like for the dave era stuff like that uh that 70s material is probably a lot of paper yeah. I-, I imagine there you know there's probably a lot of photographs and a lot of paper but you know i love seeing like studio stuff so this book for the uh, dave era stuff mm. it's out of print so it's expensive on on uh, the amazon but like just unreleased crazy crazy oh wow but it's just a whole dave era it's 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 a if you're into the band from that era it's something to to have in your collection yeah absolutely all right so i'm gonna go i'm going wacky on my next two here oh no oh boy oh no i'm gonna say one real fast and then jump into my other two because i want to get them they're more important um okay something that could have interchanged for anything on my top five would have been why can't this be love from 5150 okay uh, that was also in my top five love song list. Yeah. But we're going to go weird here, okay? So 
because my first Van Halen album was the 1996 greatest uh, best of volume one, which there never was a volume two. Um, it had two new David Lee Roth songs that they, uh, it was, it was a total sham. So they brought Dave in to do the songs and then they had him come out on the MTV awards that year, 96 uh, on stage, made everyone think he's back in the band, but they had already hired this guy, Mitch Malloy, to be the new singer after Sammy Hagar. And then when Mitch found out that, and he puts a video, he has documentation, he's not lying. It's a fact. He puts out a song that he had done with them. Just recently, all this came to, to light. He quit the band after he saw Dave back. He says, that even if he's not in the band, I can't come back from this. <laughs> and then Gary Sharon wound up in the band. But the two new David Lee Roth songs on that best of, I think are the best new van halen songs that exist they had three new songs with sammy hagar uh on the 2004 best of which was like up for breakfast it's about time and a ballad they're good and then they had the whole uh a different kind of truth record with david Lee roth being back but these two songs uh can't get this stuff no more and me wise magic are balance era pv into the 5150 Van Halen playing, not trying to throw back. It's modern Van Halen songs with David Lee Roth singing in a modern sort of way. Mm -hmm. And they're fantastic. Now I yeah. ask myself often, are they fantastic because the nostalgia component in my life? Maybe. But at the end of can't get this stuff no more, he repeats the chorus a second time. Uh, and just with more energy. Uh, and it's just Roth babble. Like in the span of 10 seconds, he hits every vocal suck in and all the crazy stuff he does. <laughs> and like, I was listening to it today as I was running and I kept rewinding that spot. And I'm like tearing up because it's like, it was magical. That's so pretty awesome. Can't get this stuff no more. So here's a question for you that you, you being into the band more than I am, um, do you know what their writing process was like? Was it like Eddie and Alex locked themselves away for a couple of days and they write all the music and then Michael and David or Sammy or Gary would come in and just fill in their parts or I don't know. Or was it like a was it a group process? I don't know the stuff with um the David Lee Roth era. I know in the Sammy Hagar era, uh Eddie and Alex would come up with the jams and then give Sammy a demo and he'd write lyrics and melodies. Mm. Um there's rumors that Eddie wrote all of Michael Anthony's bass parts. I don't know. Wow. But now David Lee Roth recently has said that he wrote a lot of the solos with his mouth and Eddie copied what he was singing. So they're all liars. It's really hard to tell. You see, I believe more that Eddie would have written all of Michael Anthony's bass parts than David Lee Roth wrote Eddie Van Halen's guitar solos. <laughs> you, <think? laughs> you know, because... I feel like any time you ever see Eddie just not, you know, just haphazardly just playing a guitar, he always sounds like Eddie. So I don't really buy that. But. I don't buy that either. But I know what this because Sammy Hagar's book, he talks about a lot of this stuff. Um, hmm. And Michael Anthony has vouched for it that uh, something like, like literally uh, Eddie came to Sammy's house and just kept ringing the bell to tell him, and he was drunk, to tell him that he'd come up with this amazing guitar part. And Sammy was in the middle of trying to be intimate. And, and he was like, come on, come on, we got to go. We got to go to the studio. So Sammy obliges him and goes with him to the studio and uh, wrote the lyrics for Finish What You Started. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a whole story. And that kind of makes sense, you know, circumstantially, because he's sitting there with, you know, blue down south. But I don't know. I don't know the process. I, I wish... Like he had so much material. A video just came out recently from the, I think it's the OU812 era, if not earlier. Uh, maybe it's after, yeah, I think it might be right before that. And it was Eddie in the studio playing the song that became Amsterdam, which was on balance, 95. Mm -hmm. So like, I think he was sitting on riffs forever. And now yeah. Wolfgang has all the tapes. And right after he died, he said he was going through the process of, because I guess like, tapes deteriorate and you have to like soak them in this liquid to re solidify. I don't really understand any of it, but it's a process keep it from, from being brittle. Yeah. yeah. You have to bake them with this stuff or something. So I hope that they go through the archives and pull out some magic. There has to be something sonically out there. Yeah. 
it's I, I've seen the pictures um, before Eddie passed. There was, a, you know, like there was always like little things that showed the inner workings of like 5150 and just walls and walls and walls of tapes. Right. So you, like you can't even really wrap your head around what must be in some of those boxes. Magic. Magic. Right. Because I hope in those boxes there is. Um, so either can't get this stuff no more or me wise magic. They jammed that with Sammy Hagar. It's called Backdoor Shuffle. I forget. I think it might have been can't get this stuff no more. I want to hear the Sammy Hagar demo of Backdoor Shuffle that became can't get this stuff no more. And it never leaked. Never leaked. Can't I you, look all the time? It's not there. It's not there. So you just know it happened, but you can't. Oh wow! Because someone on some tape somewhere had it, and now it's lost in time. But if you search like for Van Halen unreleased tracks or B sides. Um, there's, there's a Van Halen news desk is, is a popular website for their news and they have lists of demos and things. There's a Van Halen, uh, Van Halen zero demo that uh, I used to have it, stole it from uh, Napster, but I lost it. Um, which was all of the demos that Gene Simmons produced before their first record. So Van wow. Halen zero, hence before Van Halen one. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. Cause That's a lot of those crazy. demos, a lot of those demos became different songs that didn't see the light of day until a different kind of truth with David Lee Roth in 2012 or whenever that record came out. So they literally picked stuff off their pre first record demos and reworked them 30 years later to make with the same singer, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, nerding out. This is, it's actually like this whole conversation gives me vibes of um, Steve Vai, modern primitive. Um, I don't know if you followed that at all, but that was like him going through his archives of stuff that he had like from like Alcatraz and from like David Lee Ross, like little bits and pieces of like nothing that he went back and listened to a lot of his archives and recorded songs that he had probably committed to tape 25 to 30 years earlier. Sorry. Did I, did I lose you? Sorry. People about the movie are bothering me again. Oh, <laughs> but that's that's kind of what I'm getting out of this is uh, little things like that would probably be pretty amazing to get into. I, I can't like it's I'm going to say something else here. I got another one. Sorry. Go for it. OK, I'm going I'm going really deep in a hole that I'm not supposed to step in. I'm going to give you a song off Van Halen three. Bef go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So my first Van Halen show was 1998 PNC Bank Art Center. My dad took me. Um, Kenny Wayne Shepherd and Van Halen with Gary Sharon singing. Gary Sharon as a vocalist could cover both singers perfectly. And he ran around the stage like a madman. It was a fantastic show. At the time, I didn't have an allegiance to a singer. So it didn't matter that he was, you know, covering a cover band at that point. So when I got Van Halen three at Caldors or Bradley's, one of the two, can't remember. They both look the same in my mind. <laughs> It was probably Caldor's because that was the one where Walmart became, right? Was it the... The one in Airmont. It could have been Bradley's too. I don't know. One of the two. Air, Airmont was Caldor. Yeah. One of the two. Can't remember. But that's where I bought it. In the big, long rectangle. You know? Yeah. Classics. I and love those rectangles. <laughs> that was the first Van Halen. And there wasn't YouTube, so there's no way to see the other singers. That was the Van Halen I knew. And there was a show that MTV2 kept playing from Australia which I bought a bootleg of, which I have now. And again, Gary Sharon is running all over the stage. He's insane. But there's a song called The Year to the Day. And there's a lot of manipulating of harmonics and feedback. And it's a beautiful song. And it's a good song. BCAAs make me vomity. <laughs> <laughs> what What was the, the first single off of Van Halen 3? Uh, without you. I, I, could never, I could never have named that song. I have a distinct memory of not disliking it the first time I heard it or saw the video. It's not a bad song. It's, I don't think it's a bad iteration of the band. I think it's different, but like you said, like Gary Sharon, like he, he could fill those gaps that were left by Hagar and Roth and he brought his own thing. I don't, I don't think it's that bad. So there's bands. I, I, I know more of the other stuff of admittedly, course. but I, I don't think that's bad for what it is. So if you were to listen to Van Halen 3, anyone listening to this, check out these songs. Without You, Once, Josephina, and Year to the Day. 
The rest are hit or miss, but those four songs are great. No matter what you don't do, do not listen to How Many Say I, because Eddie is singing lead vocals, and it's not good. Like, you never want to do that. Yeah. I, I love Eddie. I know, but... it, it's like just very, it's like he's plucking on the strings of a piano, but it's just not, it's not, it's weird. It's more artsy. I won't be, it's still Eddie, it's still fantastic. But without you, from afar, once josephina you're on one from afar i added i'll give you that one without you from afar once josephina year to the day how many how many songs are on the album like uh 10 10 or 12 12. so it's a third of the a third but i say yeah five songs yeah it's it's like a third of the album is quality then that's in all honesty like unless you're no platinum (laughs) yeah right (laughs) but like if you stop and think about that like we always have like what are like the what are like the legendary albums that you just put on and you listen all the way through pretty hate machine right black album you know what i'm talking about like not a lot of albums are like that so if you got a 12 song album that has four great songs on it i'd say you're par for the course and that's not terrible in that case especially with such a change within the band you know i remember very very vividly you know, that Guitar World magazine, I'm staring right at it from 1998, March 98. It's the one where Eddie has the shirt on. Who the F is Eddie Van Halen? And he's discussing um, how he hates his lead singers and they have what he call LSD, lead singer disease. And then he goes on to, to fawn over how he's found his musical soulmate in Gary Sharon. Yeah. I think I think the label told them they couldn't continue. I think they I think that second record, if they did one, would have been great. Yeah, I do. And there was demos for that floating around, too. So yeah, I'd be very curious to hear that. Like once you kind of like cut your teeth with a new formation like that and figure out what the strengths and weaknesses are, the next effort would probably be better. People weren't coming out to the shows. That was the problem. You know, it was only two years removed from Sammy Hagar and they just, they weren't ready for it. And then the band was just in flux until 2004 when they did the the two year reunion with Hagar, that didn't work. And then Roth comes back 2007 and then they existed until like 15 and then but man. There, there were eight years of Van Halen with Roth back. Yeah. And they got back 2007. Then Eddie had to get hip surgery. So that like got slowed down and then yeah. bored. And then um, they had the thing where they performed on Jimmy Fallon. I oh, know Jimmy Kimmel. Do you see that? They did four songs outdoors uh, in LA for Jimmy Kimmel. Is that where Dave broke his nose? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, man, they must've been like this guy. Like, You're not a ninja. <laughs> But you know what? Like, if if memory serves, like he broke his nose and then friggin' killed it. Yep. And if you watch, there's video that they put out of him apologizing to the crowd. He's he's a professional because he's yeah. shoe business. Like his yeah. uncle or his dad or someone, they owned um, what the hell was it called in the city? Cafe Wa. Like he is he has been in show business his whole life. That character yeah. that he plays, and I've heard interviews. Um, John Five was hit one of his last guitar players in his, I guess pre Manson. Um, that was his gig. And he did a whole al- album with Dave that never came out. And he was like, you don't understand like Dave behind the scenes, like he's got stories and he's a character, but when he turns off, it's only 50%. He's never completely off, but he's just a regular guy. And that's, I don't know. I, I, I would love to hang out with him and get to know him and hear and see and his perspective because it's an old world. It's showtime. Like it's show business in like that kind of way, you know? Yeah. And he's, and he's, like you were saying, he's like an absolute professional in that regard. He's the guy. Look at him. Look at this. Look at this. He's almost a woman. <laughs> he's beautiful. But he's from that generation for the for the role he was filling. That that's the real deal. Yeah, yeah. You couldn't touch him. Um, but that's a record to check out. I would say. And uh, yeah, man, it's a bummer. It, it would have been interesting to see what would have happened next that his son had discussed one of the last things they were contemplating because he knew he was getting sicker. And he said that, you know, he was going to Germany to get some treatments that's not approved here. And Hmm. had COVID not happened, he probably could have had another six months to a year alive because he would have gotten more treatment, but it went to his brain and it would just spread and it was just unfortunate. Um, But man, like he, they wanted to do like this kitchen sink tour where it would have been all three singers. Oh, geez. Can you imagine? I mean, I, th- th- they probably needed a bus for each guy each day of the week. <laughs> um, so, that's interesting. 
Um, but yeah, man, it's uh, it's good music and everyone should know about it and dig it. And I don't know, you know, maybe on the next record talk, whenever that occurs, we'll figure out something else. But I enjoyed this conversation much. I did. I did too. I can't wait to, but the whole time, like I'm, I'm loving the conversation. I'm loving just like kind of reminiscing about, yeah, you know, music like had in past, but I, I really want to play that guitar. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple others that you can mess around. There's a some new flavors, the music band. That's kind of cool too. Yeah. I, I I'm very curious. Is that Matt. a painted neck? It's Matt. The whole finish back finish is Matt. It's very comfortable. Ooh. Very fast neck through every guitar should be neck through. It's crazy. Does it have like a pseudo like sculpted heel joint or is it like liquidy smooth? Straight down. Straight good, down. Huh? You could play the 27th fret if it existed without a <laughs> How's how do the piezo pickup sound? Not as clear um as the PR like the hollow body. Yeah. But good. good. Um it's cool that you can hit that little preamp boost in there to like basically overdrive. It's like built-in distortion in the guitar, which I'm not really sure what I would use that for, but it's got a lot of good sounds. Um, the neck is thin, but it's nice. The body, it feels very futuristic. It doesn't like I, most of the guitars I use, even the PRS ones, it's still, there's tradition built into those body shapes. This feels of course. alien. Really? Yeah. Kind of like, um, like, like a Parker fly, like that kind of miss, yeah. like really light, really thin neck through all that, but it doesn't stab you in the sternum. I saw recently, I'm not going to tell you where I was looking, but I recently saw a Parker Max fly for sale for less than $1,000. Yeah, I've seen those. Those are bolt-on and they're import. I uh, I find the shape very tantalizing. Yeah, it's right I, in black. I've seen it. It's on reverb. <laughs> yeah. Of course it is. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Seven ninety nine. What's up? <laughs> I, I think it's unfortunate that that brand kind of fell apart the way it did. I, I would love to have, because they were so hard to find in the first place. So it was just like, they were the stuff of legend. You never really found one to actually know what was going on with them. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dylan, we had to change. Uh, do you do some uh, personal things, but we are here and I suggest you, Hey, Hey, Boo Tang. What's your favorite Van Halen song real quick. We'll wait. It's not live. It's okay. No big deal. No, okay. Oh, this was uh, from Amish Outlaws. These are his top five. Mean Street. Mean Street's a great song. Mean Street and I'm the One were on my sub list. I'm the One because I'm the One I was turned on to the Four Non Blondes cover on the, uh, the Airhead soundtrack. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. That's such a great song. I can't really argue with that right there either. Yeah. Yeah. This kid's going off to college. It's all right. Sticking around for guitar though. All right, boys and girls. Well, thank you for joining James and I on this week. This, uh, about nerd, uh, guitar talk. <laughs> we'll put something together for later in the summer, figure out some other things. We had some cool ideas coming up, but are, are we going to ever do the, the, the Trent Reznor appreciation hour? I think that's, or is that just future. that's gonna be the future because we just <laughs> Van Halen appreciation hour so we should stop doing records and just do like like full-on like love fests for different topics <laughs> I had that uh that one thing I told you about with uh Metallica I really would like to do that someday yeah yeah I like that too I think that'd be pretty funny yeah I'm on a hunt now to find like unreleased recordings of things that's really what I'm trying to uh so gross I am like I'm trying to this nine inch nail song. Um maybe just once. It's so good. <laughs> I'm sure feeling. It was live. It's a demo. It's fantastic. I've been finding a lot of old nine inch nails. Um because I've been running so much lately. I ran twelve five Ks in twelve days. So you should just pretty much run from there to here. I uh, I thought about it going full on Forrest Gump, but I, I think I'd get lost. That's not the point. Um, because I've been running so much, I've been watching a lot of concerts and I've been watching like lots of like late eighties, early nineties, nine inch nails concerts, right at the beginning of the self-destructor. Mm. So brutal. Like yeah. some of them are so ridiculous and they're so good. Like always on point. A lot of old Metallica tours too. Like I've been watching, um, 
the Injustice for, uh, for All tour a lot and a lot of like random videos from the Black Album tour. I'm really excited for this Black Album box set thing. It'll be mm-hmm. fantastic. They just put out today um, another, what was it? It was the demo for uh, Holier Than Thou. Yeah, which I didn't listen to yet. I, I didn't listen to it, but I saw that it was up. Yeah. It's kind of annoying because I paid the money to get all the fancy fancy, but all of it is going to be on streaming for free. So it's kind of unnecessary to spend all that money for the fancy, but it'll look nice on the shelf. Yeah. I really want those. Um, you and you already got them. The, the Queensryche releases. Yes. They're over there. Are, are, did you find them to be worth it? Uh, the live stuff is really cool. Um, the unreleased stuff is kind of cool. There's a song I'd never heard before from the Empire Sessions, which I really dig. I didn't watch any of the concerts or like the stuff. I figured maybe we could do that when you're here. I'm all in on that. I would love to watch all the concerts because like, it sounds so silly to say, like my one of my favorite tours is probably that Building Empires tour where they were still playing like all of Mind Crime and then pretty much like all of their other hits. So that'd be and a, a I mean, great I, thing to say. I put a thing on Instagram, you know, the, the tones on those two albums from the clean to the crunchy to the solos. That's all you need. Yeah. You they're need. so good. Yeah. So good. What a great band. Anyway. Sorry. All right. Well, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go teach some music lessons in, uh, in 10 minutes. And until next time. Oh, ah, ah, ah. <laughs>